Talk Recorded live. Constitutional Crusaders show on the American Voice Radio Network. It might really help if I hit the button that unmutes the microphone. I started to say all that, and, <laughs> and all of a sudden I realized I hadn't hit it, so I had to start all over again. Okay, two 
just two, only two left, uh, links of interest here. Uh, the first one, uh, you know, if you ever wonder how someone can go into politics, never having earned above the 98% mark of wages, you know, in, the, in other words, they're not in the upper 2%, just in the 98% mark, and in order to qualify to be at the 98% mark, do you know what that means? That means you have to earn less than, are you ready for this, $154,000 a year. Yes, my friends, 98% of American households have less than $154,000 per year income. That's not a misprint, okay? It's not a misspeaking here. So, according to the U.S. Census Bureau, that's what they earn, okay? Now, how can a politician that go into politics never having earned that come out at the end of their term as a millionaire and after several terms, a multimillionaire, and as they make the president, say like the Clintons did, they come out dead broke with a net worth well north of $100 million. Well, these are things that make you go, hmm. And this story about a senator's husband that stands to benefit from a state mega project will show you exactly what I'm talking about crony capitalism my friends how they come out so rich when they're done and finally the last story from our links of interest more news from the <clears throat> religion of peace yes isis hangs eight in a gruesome display before the entrance to the iraqi city not a pretty picture, my friends. Okay, critical thinking statement. We start with a meme that's created by the person whose blog I'm about to read to you. I'm not going to tell you who it is right yet. I just want you to think of the man's words without who wrote them, okay? And the meme he created is one 800 Rent a Negro, and a picture of George Soros, and saying this white billionaire liberal Democrat, George Soros, spent $33 million to incite black hoodlums to riot in Ferguson and nationwide. Now, I've reported this to you, my friends, in the past on my show, but this blog brought up something interesting. And especially because of who wrote the blog. But I'm not going to tell you who wrote the blog yet. Instead, I want you to use some critical thinking here and think about the writer. And then I'll tell you who he was. This is what he wrote. He said, I raised a few eyebrows last week when I said, instead of holding these two hoodlums, Mike Brown and his criminal sidekick, Dorian Johnson, in contempt of our intelligence, we allowed privileged elitist white liberals to stoke the flames of racism so high until the city was almost destroyed, end quote. Since I am always right, this is my follow-up piece to that. Failure to see the powerful white liberal Democrat hands manipulating blacks like puppets 
is a failure to see and therefore address the root of the problem. White liberal elite Democrats did all they could to get blacks pissed off enough to start rioting and looting our own neighborhoods and businesses nationwide. These people have a vested interest in undermining the not just the rule of law, but the system of government in America. The bodies of dead, misinformed blacks perfect rocks for snakes like this to hide under, and they do. Power white liberal elite Democrats are among the most dangerous people on the planet. Clearly, they stand ready, willing, able, and evil enough to fund our own ignorance and misbehavior and to use our actions against us. They are not only a danger to blacks, they represent a clear and present danger to America. They are godless. For Democrats like George Soros to intentionally poke and prod into the very real and still painful racial wounds endured by black Americans for political and financial gain is disgusting and should be repulsive to all of us, especially since the Democrats went to war to keep slavery legal in the 1800s. They went to war against our voting rights and civil rights through the 1900s. And now, in 2015, they want to create race wars, using the negative images of black men destroying our own neighborhoods as we criminalize ourselves and risk undermining our country in the process. The roots of George Soros run deep into Democrat Party. Democrats acting against the best interests of black Americans on purpose is not new. In their mind, black lives always have been a commodity and expendable. After all, it's 2015 and still own us, do they not? Now, who wrote this? It was a black man, my friend. A black man wrote this. Talking about his fellow black Americans like he just did. And the man's name? Michael Harris. Now, those of you who have been paying attention to certain things, I can't tell you everything on this show, so hopefully you've been paying attention to things on your own, would be aware of who Michael Harris is and how he is a prominent blogster and and reporter and observer of various things, okay? And, well, he happens to be black also. And he nailed it, my friends. Okay, it is now time for the Roy's School of Guerrilla Lawfare. That's L-A-W, for Learn and Win Through a Better Education. For years, my friends, I have been telling you about the law of voids and how an unlawful judgment is void on its face. Here is a wonderful court decision illustrating point 
of things being void and in the process describing how this has been void from the beginning. And it took him a couple of pages to do that. So, because they had to lay out the groundwork so you could understand it. This is going to be very difficult for me to read with a straight face to you, but I will do my best. Starts. In the Court of Appeals, First Appellate District of Ohio, Hamilton County, Ohio, Christopher Weiss of Plaintiff Appellant versus Larry Weigley and Thomas Weigley, Defendants Appealees, Appeals Number C-050880, Trial Number 04CV-27413. The Decision. Civil Appeal from Hamilton County Municipal Court. Judgment Appeal from is reversed. Date of judgment entry on appeal, October 13, 2006. Okay, here we go. And then it lists all the the attorneys and all those other blah, blah, blah. And then finally makes the note that the case has been removed from the accelerated calendar. So here we go. Mark P. Painter, judge, delivering the decision from the Ohio First District Court of Appeals. Paragraph 1. This case is a civil procedure nightmare. An amended complaint was not answered. Judgment was contested before being entered. The trial court denied a motion for relief from judgment, then granted a motion for relief from judgment, then vacated that judgment, and then granted it again, though the last three times it had no jurisdiction. An appeal was filed without a stay, and the plaintiff then got the money. Paragraph 2. With our decision today, this case is finally over. But then again, we thought that the last time. Section 1. The launch into the procedural abyss. So here we go. There's basically the synopsis of where we're going right there, my friends. Now, how did they get there? Section 1, or I should say Chapter 1, the launch into the procedural abyss. In September 2004, plaintiff appellant Christopher Weeks sued defendant appealees Thomas and Larry Wigley for failure to timely return a security deposit. Thomas Wigley answered the complaint and claimed that Weeks' security deposit was being withheld because of the condition of the property. Weiss then amended his complaint and alleged that the property had a diminished value because of the lifestyle of the previous tenants. Weiss claimed that the rental property had various problems when he and his roommate took possession. These conditions included roach infestation, a malfunctioning front door that would not lock, holes in the front room window, flooding in the basement, and prolonged periods without heat. Weist argued that in addition to the Wigley's failure to fulfill their maintenance duties as landlords, they also failed to return his security deposit. And Weist contended that the Wigley's had already received a judgment against prior tenants for causing some of these problems. 
He therefore asserted that the Weeklies were seeing a double recovery by citing the same problems as justification for refusing to refund Weist's security deposit. Are you beginning to get the picture yet here, my friends? See, this is why I tell you, void judgments. You don't want to argue against void judgments. You simply want to recognize them as void. Now, this is different than voidable judgments. Courts will want to say, well, that's not voidable. Well, this court recognized the judgment as void, which is why they what they did. But they have to lay out the groundwork to get there. So, carrying on, because neither Thomas nor Larry Wigley answered the amended complaint, Weist filed a default judgment summary judgment motion supported by four affidavits. In January 2005, a magistrate granted Weist's motion. Twelve days later, the Weigley's attorney filed a notice of appearance, but the Weigley's did not file any objections to the magistrate's recommended judgment or Weist, which then had not been enacted on by a trial court. Instead, they filed a civil 60B motion for relief from a non-existent judgment and the motion for an extension of time to object to the magistrate's decision. The trial court, perhaps unaware of the pending motions, then approved the magistrate's decision on February 2, 2005, rendering an $8,530 judgment for Weist without ruling on the Wigley's motion. Are you beginning to see the um, snafu here, friends? Six weeks. After the trial court approved the magistrate's decision, it denied the Wigley's civil 60B motion. The Wigley's then filed, one, a motion for the court to reconsider its rulings in their civil 60B motion, and a motion asking the trial court to rule on their pending motion for an extension of time to object to the magistrate's decision, which had already blossomed into the judgment the civil 60B motion was directed against, and two, a notice of appeal with this, this court without seeking or obtaining a stay of execution or posting a supersedious bond. Now, let's translate that into more plain English. What these people did is they did not follow procedure. Now, you will come to understand if you spend any time in courtrooms, it's not about justice. It's always about procedures. So you have to know the blankety-blank procedures better than they do, okay? Now we come to Chapter 2. But the money is gone. I, re- I kid you not, this is the way it reads right here in the decision. Chapter 2, the money is gone. We then garnishing the Wigley's checking and savings account at Winston Savings and Loan, receiving $12,500, the full amount of the judgment and costs up to that point. Then, on April 27th, the court granted 
granted the Wigley's motion for reconsideration of the civil 60B ruling, but then realizing that this matter was currently here on appeal, it vacated that order for lack of jurisdiction. On May 18th, the Wigley's filed other motions regarding the garnishments, all of which were denied by the magistrate. In the meantime, Weist had received the garnish funds and filed an entry of satisfaction of the judgment. Because of the satisfaction of the judgment, Weist moved this court to dismiss the Wigley's appeal, and on June 29th, we granted Weist's motion dismissing the Wigley's appeal as moved. The Wigley's did not appeal our judgment to the Ohio Supreme Court. Instead, on June 23rd, they filed another motion for ruling on pending motions at the trial court, despite its lack of jurisdiction. Astoundingly, I told you, this thing is hilariously funny. It's very difficult for me to keep a straight face while reading this, my friends. Astoundingly, the trial court granted the Wigley's motion to reconsider its ruling on their civil 60B motion and granted relief from judgment. The trial court did so inappropriately. I would add the words, of course they did it inappropriately, but the court's trying to be nice here. So anyway, then we come to chapter three. When it's over, it's over. And here we come, my friends. About void judgments. Court wrote, it is a well-established principle of law that satisfaction of a judgment renders an appeal of that from that judgment moot. Quote, where the court rendering judgment has jurisdiction of the subject matter of the action and of the parties, and fraud has not intervened, and the judgment voluntarily paid and satisfied, such payment puts an end to the controversy and takes away the right to appeal or prosecute error or even to move for vacation of judgment. And now notice what they say there. Or even move for vacation of judgment. Why? Because it's void in the first place. That's why, my friends. Now, that's the problem. A huge problem with the idea of void judgments. Courts and judges hate using the term void judgment, even though it's a well-established rule of common law. They hate using it because it takes out of their hands the ability to tell them to go pound sand. So, continue. If an appellant neglects to obtain a state of judgment, the non-appealing party has the right to attempt to obtain satisfaction of the judgment even though the appeal is pending. When the non-appealing party is successful in obtaining satisfaction of the judgment, the appeal must be dismissed because the issue raised in the appeal have become moot. That's what happened in this case, okay? Then they continue. The issue presented in the first appeal was the voluntariness of the so-called satisfaction of the judgment. The Wigleys did not voluntarily satisfy the judgment by paying damages. Instead, Weist was able to satisfy the judgment through garnishment of funds from the Wigleys' bank accounts. Yet, 
a party is considered to have acted voluntarily in satisfying a judgment when the party fails to seek a stay order while appealing the trial court's judgment. I am reminded, my friends, of a case that's making the rounds of the Internet right now, which is why I'm bringing this whole thing up to you here, about a man in Seattle, or is it a couple? I can't remember whether it's a man or a couple, that had a dog that barked, and neighbors filed a complaint about it barking. The man refused, or the couple refused to pay attention, thinking it was just a big joke, and the person filing the, the complaint in the court about a barking dog won a settlement, or won a judgment. I think it was $500,000, half a million dollars, or maybe it was $50,000. In any case, it's still an insane amount of money, okay, on the issue that this fucking dog, you know, caused them extreme emotional distress, blah, 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 and they failed to answer the complaint, and blah, blah, blah. Well, it's the same sort of thing here, my friends. Exact same sort of thing. So, the case of law doctrine, the court says, provides that a reviewing court's decision in a case remains the law of that case on the legal questions involved for all subsequent proceedings in that in that case at both the trial and reviewing levels. They said, quote, the rule is necessary to ensure consistency of results in a case to avoid endless litigation by settling the issues and to preserve the structure of superior and inferior courts as designated by the Ohio Constitution, end quote. So here, the trial court operated out jurisdiction when it granted the motion to reconsider, although that motion does not exist in trial court, and Wigley's civil 60B motion after we had dismissed the appeal was moot. The case was over. It is again. Judgment reverse. And the other judge concurs, and the third judge, and it says here in the court record, who was a member of the panel, but he died before the release of this decision. So, there you go, my friends. Like I say, I read this all I could do to keep busting out laughing. Because this is the way court decisions should read when there is considerable evidence of void judgments happening, my friends. That is why they are so powerful. When you know what you're doing, it's a, it's a powerful, powerful system. And this guy here, doing what he did and doing the garnishment and getting the garnishment and such, even though the, the Wigglies failed with, with the retention of, quote-unquote, trained counsel. Oh, I forgot to mention that, my friends. The Wigglies had expensive attorneys working for them all this time. Meanwhile, we did all his stuff all on his own. Yeah, he didn't have attorneys helping him. He did it all on his own. The Wigglies had these expensive attorneys who failed to do this and failed to do that and failed to do the other thing. Why? 
It's laughable. It truly is. It's just a laugh riot for me to read things like this because it just shows the absolute insanity that invades and pervades our alleged court system these days. So, when you watch some drama on TV and you see someone like, oh, for example, in that old show Boston Legal and... um, uh, Oh, what's his name? The actor um, um, that plays, uh, I can't remember his name, that was in with um, with uh, Captain Kirk. Uh, you know, uh, anyway, right. Anyway, well, I'm getting, I keep getting their character names mixed up with their, their, their actual names. But you know what I'm talking about. You see some character in some drama, and he's making some argument about the inanities and the, and the stupidity of the court system, and you think, that's fiction, my friends? No. Here I got court case. Well, that wraps up this edition of the Constitutional Crusader Show. Until next week, my friends, unless the creek rises or they come and take me away again, my fellow Americans, keep your powder dry. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. things in this world are more important than clean, pure water. Understanding this, AVR makes four tabletop water distillers available to you for purchase. First, we have the five and a half hour per gallon with polycarbonate collection jug for $139. The second is a five and a half hour per gallon with glass collection jug for $189. The third is a three and a half hour per gallon with polycarbonate collection jug for $189. And our premier tabletop distiller is a three and a half hour per gallon with glass collection jug for $250. All our distillers have a stainless steel boiling pot, dome, and cooling tubes. And the premier version also has a splash flap to protect against contamination of the cooling tubes. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com for more information and protect your water supply. soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. 
You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after these attacks. <laughs> no one communication system can be dependent on to be there when yes. you need information. You need choices. You need a KU. It's a wonder satellite thing is that you missed so much radio. ADR system includes a receipt. you remember who I even am. centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for one forty-nine in a row. That's right, delivered for one forty-nine ninety-nine. That's the thing and the system. Well, you know what? Then you're married, right? She's your other half, right? Yeah. Well, get her on the radio next time. Five four six five nine, or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com well, and click. Satellite well, they come on to listen to you to say, "Get her back." on, get her back on, get her back on. Yeah. Hey, it's better they hate you than ignore you. My motto. My motto. You sound, uh, you, you don't sound like you've got very good bass or anything. Is your mic? I don't think so, man. Yeah, it sounds like your mic is a little further away or something. Oh, yeah, much better. A little, put it back where you just had it. When I said that. Well, you just did something that made it sound really good. Yes, it's getting better. What are you doing? Okay. Well, there you go. See, I was right. It is too far away. Now you sound good. What do you? Oh no! <laughs> God, no, not that. Anyway, here comes. Again, to another edition of the Contenders for the Faith Radio Broadcast. I am Pastor Anthony Grissy, broadcasting to you live on this March the 9th, 2015. It's about five minutes after the top of the hour. And for those of you who are suffering from date savings time, it's 5.0-something pack time, 8.0-something standard time. And, you know, you do the math if you're in Mountain Standard Time or Central Time Zone, whatever. We don't do that stuff here in the state of Arizona. Um, Somebody has some common sense. Not much. I'm not saying that our state has all common sense, all right? But on a few things, we've got it right, and this is one of them. People say, you know, what time zone are you on? I'm not on anybody's time zone but our own, all right? Um, 
occasionally New Mexico and those on Mountain Standard Time, they jump into ours. And then as of Sunday, everybody in California, Oregon, and Washington jumped into ours. All right? They just kind of jump in, jump out. But we don't do any. We don't change. We don't change. We're, we're the same, except for I have to broadcast an hour earlier than I'm used to. But that's the way it is. Good to have you along with us tonight. You're listening to the Contenders for the Faith radio broadcast. And this is a show that's dedicated to attack controversy and conspiracy directly related to Christianity. And we do all this from a biblical perspective because we believe the Bible, the Bible, which we believe we actually possess today, the pure word of God, we believe the Bible is the final authority in all matters of faith and practice, from politics to pop culture, the Bible has all the answers. And if you can't find the answers, the problem does not lie with God or the Bible. The problem lies with your puny brain. And I mean that with all respect. All right? It's just the plain fact. Your brain is finite. It's really small. Bound to miss a thing or two. It's amazing how arrogant people get. Well, I didn't see the answer in the Bible, so it must not be there. Well, look who's got such a big brain. Oh, means, you know, if, if the book if the book was completely understandable by you, then that means the person who wrote it wasn't any smarter than you. Okay? So, um, and we know that's not true. So if you can't find it in the book, or you think you found a problem with the book, the problem is simply you. At least that's how we see it here at the Contenders for the Faith radio broadcast. Good to have you along with us tonight. Um, and we are live. Uh, last week it wasn't live. I was laying in bed sick with the flu. And, and I'm going to say this. I truly believe that it was Indiana's fault. I really do. My mother-in-law came out here and... Um, and, and several of my in-laws actually came out here, and we had a wonderful meeting. We had a wonderful meeting. Of course, you've heard us say over and over again, we want you to be a part of our 20th annual Muggio Baptist Fellowship meeting. Well, we had that two weeks ago, and it was a great time, great time, uh, kind of wearing. And so they brought some sort of a cold out here, and I picked it up and ended up laying in bed. Could hardly get out. I mean, I couldn't move, man. I was so... So say it's probably the worst I've been in a long time. And you probably can tell that my voice isn't what it should be. Okay, it's still struggling right now. Uh, a little bit of laryngitis, a lot of coughing, all that stuff. But I'll do my best not to share it with you. So if you um, just, you know, don't breathe too close to your computer screens, we'll hope that we don't share any of these sicknesses with you. I'm, I'm just kidding that 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 won't actually have to happen. This isn't one of those charismatic radio shows where, you know, if you put your hand on the screen, you'll be healed. In fact, if you, if you put your hand on your screen, you, you might make your screen all smudgy. And um, who knows, you might catch my cold. I don't know. But uh, anyways, good to have you along with us. A lot to talk about. Little time to do it in. Lots of stuff in the news. And, of course, I know you listeners out there, you keep track of all those things, and sometimes I get on, I'm just barely out in the same stuff you already know. Uh, by the way, I see everybody in the chat room. Uh, Frank Saliano, too, that's me. Andrew, 
true elf solutions. Um, I, I really have to know how you got that name. And then KJV Antioch J. Love that name. And KJV, appreciate your post. I'll look at that YouTube video later. I'm just going to say right now, um, I believe that sodomy is different from the other sins. I believe it's an abomination in the sight of God and is worthy of destruction. It is worthy of destruction. Now, I don't hold to the Roman Catholic ideology of some sins are mortal, some sins are venial, all right? Every sin is worthy of uh, hellfire, no doubt in my mind. But sodomy, <coughs> excuse me, sodomy is so vile and such an abomination that God was willing to destroy a whole city over sodomy. So it, without watching the YouTube video, KG, well, the good name, um, uh, you're right, man. You're right. And, and a lot, you know what people do? Uh, there's a lot of ways that people try to force us to accept homosexuality, or at least be sympathetic towards it. One of them is the no-bullying uh, philosophy, you know, stop being a bully. You see it in public schools, restaurants, you know, government offices. We don't want any bullying or discrimination. Nine times out of ten, that has nothing to do with real bullying. It's about you not accepting homosexuality. That's usually what it is. Well, you know, they're just, that's just their lifestyle. They didn't have a choice. You had a choice. You made the choice when you got yourself stuck in pornography and perversion. And, um, and, I'm, and I'm sorry you, you made that choice. I really am. But you're not going to get any sympathy from it. Not one bit. The other way is um, feminism. Feminism is a way of forcing us to accept sodomy because feminism uh, and the feminist movement creates sodomy, the emasculating of men. That's another way that we're forced to accept it. And then, of course, the third way is um, in this area of reducing it to a mere, you know, putting it to the level of any sin. And uh, that's, that's a way that liberal Christianity, and I hate to put Christianity next to liberalism, but that's the way they force us to accept it. By saying, well, don't judge them. You know, your sin of adultery... It's just as bad as sodomy. <clears throat> Listen, adultery is worthy of death. There's no question in my mind. But sodomy is so unnatural. It's so unnatural, guys. It's vile. It's vile. So I don't even put it in the same category. And you know what? The, the super spiritual do-gooders, they all get all on. You're just, you're just judging. No, man, that's vile. You know, we had a game called Spear the Queer. It wasn't Spear the Adult. Although the adult will probably get beat up by the husband or whatever. You know how that goes. Proverbs even talks about that. But uh, when it comes to queer, man, I'll tell you right now, we give the guy the football and then we pound him. Because that's the natural reaction. I don't care how lonely you are, man. If you don't come to Christ, you're in big trouble. Yes. Absolutely, KJV. Absolutely. So, <clears throat> shame the post. Um, haven't seen the YouTube video, can't say whether I agree with it or not, but just by what you're saying, KJV, I have to say that you're probably right. It's probably a good video, but I don't know. So I can't put my full approval on it. I can't. But who cares whether I do or not? I mean, who am I anyways? I'm just a talk show host and um, one with a bad voice today. So there you go, folks. Good to have you along with us. 1-800-596-8191. If you disagree with what I just said, 
you want to tell me how all sins are the same and that uh, I, you know, I should repent for uh, judging those people that are just struggling and, and lonely and they're just crying out for some attention. They're crying out for attention, man. My fist in their face. Oh, that was terrible. Wasn't that terrible? I'm sorry. That was mean-spirited. I take that back. Yeah. The thing is, is those sodomites, folks, let me just say this right now. I know them, and I know there may be some nice ones. They're only nice until they realize that you disagree with their lifestyle. They should figure that out real fast, that they're vile, wicked, foul, and let me just put this in there, murderous. Yeah, they would kill you if they had the chance. Why Roman Catholicism and sodomy walk hand in hand in many ways. They would kill you if they had the chance. I ran into a sodomite once. I was doing a job, um, <clears throat> doing some electrical, and the uh, fellow came to me and said, so you're a pastor? And I said, yes, I'm a pastor. And he said, well, I'm gay. What do you think about that? I, said, I think that's wicked. Well, why, um, you know, why change? I mean, why, why pretend I'm something I'm not? I told him I thought that was wrong. He goes, well, you're judging me. I said, no, you told me what you are. I said, I think it's wrong. You know? And he says, well, I, I, don't, I think you're wrong. And he talked about getting angry and mean-spirited. I, could, I can't judge him, but he can, he can judge me. All the way to me. I'll tell you right now. I should have, I should have called N, uh, NAACP and told him it was race discrimination. He was against me because I was white and a Baptist preacher. But anyway, ah. Uh, Good to have you along with us tonight, and uh, if you disagree with me, you go ahead and uh, you call it in. I don't care. Just let me know. I don't care. Don't bother me. Don't tell me how wrong I am. Go ahead. Bring me your scriptures. And, you know, we say if it came from the book, I'll probably agree unless you pull it out of context. You pull it out of context, probably tell you it's out of context. You can tell what the context is just by reading it. But um, amen. Amen. Article here. Wanted to listen last week, did get a chance to, laying in bed sick. But I hope you folks were able to uh, listen to the radio show um, on the uh, 20, 26th. Was it? No, no, it was the 20, 23rd. That's what it was, 23rd. I hope you folks were able to listen to the show. Uh, we actually broadcasted our services live. And uh, you enjoyed that. Uh, if you're ever in the Payson, Arizona area, um, Come see us. Uh, LT, who's normally in the chat room, just stopped by about 40 minutes before the show, and we sat down and chatted, you know, had a good time of fellowship, talked about deer, traded pictures of deer pictures and, you know, hunting pictures. I showed him my antlers on the wall. He showed me his pictures, and uh, then he headed back south to the valley. So he's not in the chat room, folks, bragging about his deer brats because he is in Arizona right now. Uh, folks, if you're ever in the area, you come see me. Love to hear, love, love to hear from you. Love to talk to you. Come have service with us. We we meet on Sundays, and uh, love to see you. We worship the Lord on Sundays, Wednesdays, whenever we feel like it. So, anyways, got an article the other day, and I just couldn't pass up. It's entitled "Florida City Spies a Church Being a Church," and it demands a business license article is in One News Now, and uh, written by Michael Haverluck. 
The article says, after sending a city spy to report on church activities in order to collect incriminating evidence, the city of Lake Worth, Florida, is now demanding that church property owners obtain a business license to avoid foreclosures, hundreds of dollars in daily fines, and ultimately shutting services down. After being informed about the local government's KJV harassment, Liberty Council issued a letter to the city of Lake Worth. Attorneys with the Christian nonprofit legal organization are demanding that it retract what they are calling a baseless order requiring all churches in the area, some of which have been pillars of light in their communities for nearly a century, to close their doors. Specifically, Liberty Council is urging the city to cease its harassment of a recently founded Common Ground Church. The church's landlord was threatened by the city with foreclosure and daily fines of up to $500 if a business license is not purchased, arguing that the church is in violation and will quickly be stopped from holding worship services if the problem is not corrected. Besides demanding that the city of Lake Worth cease and desist uh, its plan to have local churches obtain business licenses, Liberty Council is also urging it to refund the business license taxes, yada, yada, yada. Now, apparently what this, uh, the city did was they sent in KJV-type spies by the church and recorded some worship services in hopes for, uh, 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 of documenting um, violations. Now, it's not saying exactly what the violations are, but um, I, I'm assuming... And uh, this is just my opinion. No, actually, I see it right here in the article. Uh, the uh, they they walk back to the coffee bar in the church, and um, <clears throat> they also notice that they sell books. So interesting. Uh, rows of people are sitting in chairs on both sides, like a gathering setting. So uh, what it seems to me, folks, is that the town as requiring a business license because the church might be acting like a business. Ah, okay, okay, now I'm getting it. It says here the coffee shop in which the Common Ground Church meets has a business license. So they're meeting in a coffee shop, and they're saying that the coffee shop cannot have a church there. The church can't meet there without a business license. So if that's the case, then I'm going to have to say right now, this town is absolutely 100% wrong, all right? But if the town is actually going after this church, because the church is acting like a business, for instance, if it is a 501c3 incorporation, uh, 501c3 or just simply an incorporation bank account, they're having business meetings in the church, then I see no reason why this town shouldn't implement uh, this church to have a business license. Though it really is unusual, because it seems like the uh, uh, states would like to avoid the church's being businesses, but uh, or at least that I, we have seen. All right. In honesty, a lot of the a lot of the towns would rather us not be a business. Okay, they'd like to see that distinction. But in this particular case, this Florida city, they sent in a spy, which is wrong. We have in our church an actual warning. We have a sign next to the church doors that state if you're a government official or city or state. Um, you have to reveal yourself to the pastor. We put it in there so they don't get to come in and secretly record our services and then use it against us. We actually put something there.
to let them know, hey, you're not coming in to do that. We are a private assembly. Now, all this business aside, all right, the first thing that comes to mind with most people, and I'm sure it will come to mind um, <clears throat> with the city of, uh, uh, with this legal firm, uh, this uh, nonprofit Christian law organization called Liberty Council, is they're going to cite the Constitution of the United States. It says here, um, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or bridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievances. We know what that is. It's the First Amendment to the United States Constitution. And more than likely, this Liberty Council is going to rely on that. And I'd have to say, you know, just from a cursory glance, that would be one of the first things I would cite um, if I were a law firm. I would say, whoa, 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 whoa. The city uh, of Lake Worth has no right given the free exercise of our religion. has no right to do so. Uh, we're protected by the Constitution of the United States, all right? And they're meeting in a coffee ground shop, personally. Uh, being a prepare, uh, promoter of liberty, I would say the coffee ground shop, if they want the church to meet there, they should have every right to do so, all right? That's just my opinion, and uh, I, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in liberty. I really am. Constitution will be the first thing to cite in this particular case, folks at least from a legal standpoint, they don't have a right to prohibit the free exercise thereof or require us to get a business license. That, that's a law. They don't have a right. They might get around it saying, well, this is about Congress. Congress shall make no law. We're not Congress. We're the city of Lake Worth. So, therefore, we can do whatever we want. Okay. And that might actually work. That might actually work in a court of law. But let me just say this. If this place is truly a church, is it Common Ground is the name of the church? Or no, it's the name of the coffee shop, okay? Um, whatever the name of the church is, if this truly is a church, their first, it's, okay, it is Common Ground Church. That's what it is. And they meet in Common Ground's coffee shop. Interesting. I'd have to investigate this a little bit further, folks, because I see what might be a conflict of interest, but regardless of that, if this really is a church that's trying to follow the practices of the New Testament, then I would say this, your first mistake was calling Liberty Council. Your first mistake is being represented by a law firm. Because a law firm is going to ride on the grounds of the Constitution of the United States. Here's the problem with this, folks. Now, this is something that we will argue over and over again on this show. And if you've heard any of the um, guests that we've had on this show that represent the Ecclesiastical Law Center, they tell you the same thing. The mistake is to allow a legal firm to represent the church in a court of law on constitutional grounds. And the problem is, folks, the Constitution does not run our church. It is not an authority that our church recognizes. All right? Now, the people can recognize it. Americans can recognize it. 
but the only authority the church recognizes over itself and to protect itself must be the Bible of the Lord Jesus Christ or the Lord Jesus Christ's word. You say, why did you put the Bible first? Because the Bible says it is magnified over his very name. It is our law book. It is our constitution. You ever, you ever have somebody come to your church and they say, well, what's the constitution? Yeah, that's right, Frank. You're right. Common Ground Coffee Shop, Common Ground Church. Sounds like someone wants it both ways. <laughs> You're right. Okay, it does sound like that. It does sound like that. But regardless of that, let's just put that aside for a moment. If it truly is a church, I don't care what you want to call it. They want to call it Common Ground Church, fine. I suspect of it. I'd like to know their doctrine a little bit. But maybe they truly are a New Testament church. And this coffee shop just, you know, letting them use their building. Okay, fine. Again, they cannot argue from the standpoint of the Constitution. Not if they're a true New Testament church. Because if they do so, they're recognizing it as an authority. Say, well, what is the constitution of your church? I hand them the Bible. Well, don't you have something printed up? You know, I have a doctrinal statement that I put on there. It's very brief. It's not our constitution. It's it's just it's just a simple statement of what we believe, and it quotes the Bible. Constitution is an official document. We don't have that. We have the Bible. And if we have to go into court of law, which the church can't go into court of law anyways, because it cannot recognize the judge as its authority either. All right, but regardless of that, if the pastor has to be called in, the pastor gets called in, they start questioning the pastor, why is your church not doing this, blah, 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 and so on and so forth, he has to argue from the Bible. He has to argue from the Bible. In fact, there was a situation that uh, the ELC has used this as an argument many times to explain why the Bible is our authority and nothing else. And it was a homeschool situation up in Michigan. Two cases were brought before court. The one argued from the Constitution and lost. The other case argued, it was a father, he argued this. The Bible teaches me that I must teach my children. And if I don't, I'm failing in my responsibility, and God will kill me. He won. The Constitution did not. Now, does that always work in a court of law? I don't know. You know, with just today, you don't know. It doesn't matter whether it works or not. The Bible is it. It is our final authority. Christ is our head. So his word, which he says we are sanctified by, sanctified then through thy word, is what the Bible says. Thy word, Jesus says. The washing of water by the word. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It has to be the word. It's our divinity. Anybody can claim the name of Christ. But to claim the name of Christ according to God's word, that's a different story. That's different. The Bible says that's our authority. So in regards to the Common Ground Church, which I know people will be up in arms with, well, how dare the city do this? And, oh, what are we going to do? What we're going to do is we're going to stay tuned, listen to these messages, and we'll be right back, folks. That's what we're doing.
You know what? Unless they were, you know what? Unless they were just looking to pick a fight. 
because they got these guys. I know people who have done true legitimate Christian things and gotten hammered and tried to call every second organization that that supposedly helps Christians, and they wouldn't lift a finger. But here they are here. Could he, somebody got a bird in his ear telling him, hey, why don't you do this? We can uh, we can make this a national issue. You'll be famous. And think about the donations that'll fly in. I'm sure they're getting plenty. We're so jaded. Hey, 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 I like coffee. I'm just poor. I'm just too poor to go to the $5 coffee shop. Like Dutch, like Dutch brothers. No, that's right. And you see people in cowboy hats and trucks and all kinds of stuff stopping there. Yeah, well, hey, you know what? Dutch brothers coffee just as good as Starbucks. Every bit as good. Probably the same coffee. No, hurry up, hurry up. <laughs> Get me my coffee. I'm freaking out. I, I used to be a meth head. Now I'm addicted to coffee. That's right. That's right. That's what the, that's what all the uh, ex-meths do. They go to these coffee shops all the time. We used to have a meth problem. Now we have a coffee problem. Bigoted, um, you know. Uh, what else? Well, fill in the blank. We could just we could just make up our minds without any of <laughs> Something funny going on here. Here goes. All right, welcome back, folks. This is the Contenders for the Faith Radio broadcast. I'm Pastor Anthony Grissy, broadcasting on the prestigious American Voice. Radio Network, only if you want the truth. They even have bumper stickers. That's right. I got a, I got the American Voice Radio Network bumper sticker on the back of my truck. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> right above my bumper stickers that say, the nations that turn from God will be turned into hell and repent and be converted. Maybe wash my I don't even remember the verses. But all I know is anybody who drives past me gives me some rude looks. Sorry, they're just connecting the three verses or two verses with your radio show or network. So, But anyway, the prestigious American Voice Radio Network. Why is it prestigious? Well, they have us on here, so I don't know. What else did you expect me to say? Okay, they got a lot of other good guys on there. I mean, come on, Frank, the Francis Stephan Show. That's not the radio there, folks. You don't miss that. That's free advertising, too. And then there's... The contender, our Covenanters call, which is on Tuesday nights, right here, same time, same station. Uh, Pastor Mike Hoover. Now, I I think he's my mentor. He's the only reason why I'm on the air to begin with. A lot of people say, no, don't put that on him. Don't put that on him. 
you're not it's not his okay whatever i'm giving him free advertising best talk show host i know he's got to preach it right down the pike man right down the pike oh okay sorry frank it's the frank report the frank report <laughs> we we love this radio network we don't know what the shows are called but we love this radio network <laughs> then there's wendy wilson uh with her talk did i get that one right well i got that one and then there's the constitutional create cr- crusader i was gonna say creator <laughs> i'm the worst advertiser sorry with marcel yeah you can't Herb Top Live, thank you. And then there's Marcel with Constitutional Crusader. And I have met him. That's right. I've, I've even got a picture with him. Him and his kilts. Yeah, up there in Oregon. That's where all the good talk show hosts are from. And he broadcasts right before me. Then there's then there's uh, uh, New World Order Info. It comes after our show. And, uh, you know, with Melissa Roxanne. So lots of great shows. That's what makes this precious. That's what that's what makes this network worth listening to. We encourage you to do so and send them lots of money. Send him lots and lots of money. It's it is the best network. That's right, KJV. That's right. It is. I think so. So there. One eight hundred five nine six eight one nine one is the call in number. If you disagree with me on that, maybe you like Fox News. Come out of the closet. You can do it and just admit it on the air so we know what a Fox News lover is. <laughs> Go ahead. Don't be afraid. Secretly listen to MSNBC. Come on. Now, don't bother us. We're not afraid here. one 800 if you disagree with anything I've said. Go ahead. Let me know. I'll probably just start crying. and It'll be embarrassing, but do it. You can contact me by email, pastor, P-A-S-T-O-R, not hard, at PaysonFirstBaptistChurch.net. PaysonFirstBaptistChurch.net. You have to fill out, what? Oh, Frank, you got a new number? It's taken me years to remember. Oh, no. A new call-in number? I hate it when he does this. I, I... I'm not going to remember this. All right, here's the new calling number. No wonder nobody's calling it in. They're probably getting Domino's Pizza now. Uh, it's 855-566-3738. I don't even have rhythm on that one. 855-566-3738 is the calling number. If you absolutely disagree with me, you can call it in. That's the new number. 800-596-8191. I... I uh, that's no longer the number. Eight five five six six three seven eight. Oh, and there you go. You can contact me uh, by snail mail, P.O. Box eight, Payson, Arizona eight five five four seven. That's P.O. Box eight, Payson, Arizona eight five five four seven. Love to hear from you if you want to write me a letter. You want to send me an email? <clears throat> Give us a call. Contact us. We'd love to hear from you. We were talking a little bit about this church in Lake Worth, and uh, I, Frank, Frank, between 
the uh, halves. He was talking a little bit about it. It looks it looks kind of suspicious. You know, church has the same name as the coffee shop. Sounds like a conflict of interest. He said, why? What difference does it make? Now, listen, I believe pretty. I really do. But when it comes to the New Testament, when it comes to the church, we cannot, we cannot be yoked up in any way with the state, and we can't be a business. Now, as, as a uh, pastor, I've made friends with the businesses around me. We've got an auto shop across the street. They park their cars in our parking lot. That don't bother me. Uh, we've got a paint store across the street. I, I say hi to that guy, talk to him. We're friends. But the church and the auto shop and the church and the paint store, we are not yoked up in any way. Can't. We're a church. They're a business. There's no common ground. But no pun intended. We have no common ground. They're doing things one way to make money. We're doing things to make money. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, come on, churches. Don't fight the stereotype. Now, we're not here to make money. If we were, we'd have a bank account. And believe me, it really does matter. Yes, uh, that is the same email for hate mail. So if you hate me, you can email me, pastor at facebookfirstbaptistchurch.net. Go ahead. It doesn't bother me at all. All right, so back to this church. First of all, should the church be in any way associated with the coffee shop? No. The only thing they could do is meet there. Biblically speaking, using the facilities is not a problem. All right? Pastor comes to the guy and says, look, you know, we'll rent this space. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes it's even better than owning your own building, especially in this society. It seems like um, right now a lot of counties are going after churches that are not 501c3, thinking that's an untapped resource. And, uh, again, how they would justify it constitutionally is beyond me. But, again, the Constitution can be amended. can be changed. It can be misinterpreted. You say, well, so can the Bible. Yeah, so it can. But that's not our fault. All right? The Bible, in its, in its context, as long as it's properly, in its context, properly interpreted, I'm not talking new translations or anything like that, is our final authority. And the Bible's pretty clear. The Bible's pretty clear, all right? So that's our authority. That's the ground we stand on, nothing else. Uh, let me give you this verse, Psalms 138, verse 2. To make this clear, in your King James Bible. David said, I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will praise or I will worship for thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast, now listen to this, magnified, that's exalted, lifted up, thy word. Talking about God. He said, you, the Lord, hast magnified thy word above all thy name." So I don't even have common ground in Christ. It's his word that we have common ground in. And I know that sounds, you know, um, a little controversial. But the fact of the matter is, it has to be the word. Because you have the Roman Catholic Church. You have Jehovah's Witnesses. You have Mormons. They all claim to know Christ. I work with the guy on a regular basis. 
he tells me, man, he says he agrees with everything I say, and he is a staunch Mormon. Until we open up that Bible, and all of a sudden, we don't have common ground anymore. I remember a Jehovah's Witness telling me this. He said, well, <clears throat> you know, uh, well, I don't know why we divide up. The Jehovah's Witness told me that. He says, it's all about doctrine. Everybody's always throwing doctrine around. He says, you know, that's the problem. He says, we need to get past doctrine. Well, I don't know what his church believes, but we follow doctrine, the Word of God. And we know that doctrine divides. In fact, I am commanded by God to preach the Word, to reprove, to rebuke, and to exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. That's what the Bible says. What is doctrine? That's what the Bible teaches. Preach the Word. Of course, today nobody knows where the Word is because they're chasing, you know, the newest fad and versions and translations and all that. Uh, just as long as we don't have American. That's usually how it is. You you talk to these guys that are textual critics. They don't have a problem with any Bible that you use. Shoot, you can use the Klingon Bible as far as they're concerned, and that's funny and okay. But don't you tell us there's only one Bible. That's King James Bible. That's a problem for them. But the textual critics who critics who do not believe that there is a pure word of God hate a Bible? That's probably a good Bible. <clears throat> so I, I, that's one of the ways I judge our Bibles. Yes. KJV text here in the chat room. He says, these 501c3 churches hate the word. <sighs> you know, it's a... Uh, that's a tough one, KJV. I'm not going to be so dogmatic. James White. Okay, there you go. Yeah, I, I'd say that. Okay, I'm, I'm with you on that one. All right, but Few I'm things. not going to be so dogmatic. Now, I know Frank is. Frank is like dogmatic, man. If you're a 501c3 church, you're of the devil. You're probably going to burn in hell, all that stuff. Fine, okay. I, I can't do that because I know believers that are 501c3. And some of them just don't know any better. Of course, they can't be around me too long with knowing better. All right. And then after they know better, that's when I'm going to make my decision. Some guys come out of Bible college, God bless their heart, and uh, I'm not an advocate for Bible college. I really am not, just for this reason alone. They come out like clones. They don't know any better. This is the way a church has to be. And so immediately they incorporate the church. There's Russian churches that uh, the ELC has been helping. These Russian churches came over to the United States, and they asked these brethren that are like-minded, and they said, well, how do we start a church? And the Russian churches ended up incorporating their churches because the brethren here, King James Bible-believing, love God, tell folks about Christ, separated, sold out. They told them, sold out the wrong way, though, in some cases. They told them, you need to incorporate your church because that's what all churches do. That's for these Russian churches, which are solid doctrinally. They did it. Why? Well, part is because of their culture. They're used to people telling them what to do anyhow. So their bishop, again, I don't believe in a bishop over several churches, but this is how they do things. Their bishop comes over. He sees the churches here in the state, Sacramento, Delaware, places. He's checking out these American churches and saying, whoa, 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 what did you just do? Now, I don't know why their churches didn't see this. 
But the bishop saw it. He said, guys, this is exactly what we did in Russia when the Iron Curtain was up. Are you out of your mind? So the ELC has been helping them unincorporate their churches. Sorry, I had to turn my mute on so I could cough and clear my throat. So some of them just don't know any better, KJV. So I can't be his dogman. If you want to be, that's fine. Now you go ahead. Now, there are some pastors. I'm going to do this right now. I have talked to them. And I said, look, man, this isn't right. Now, so the scriptures are clear. Christ is the head of his church. You can't be yoked up. And then they'll give you the excuses. Well, how do I have a big church then? How do I cash these checks? One pastor told me just a couple weeks ago, he said, what if somebody gives you a $50,000 check? Well, uh, first I'll probably start to cry a little bit. Yeah. Now, don't get super spiritual on me, guys. Somebody hands me a $50,000 check. I might shoot here for a brief moment. Not so super spiritual as you think I am. I think you might not. I thought I'm going to have to give it back. The man said, what's a $50,000 check? I mean, that's worth compromising over, right? He didn't use the word for money. I don't have a bank account, guys. I do anything with that check. I, I'm disappointed, you know. I mean, we got it. We could use this for God's glory. I know. Wouldn't it be wonderful? <laughs> it would be fantastic. But we're not motivated by money. We're motivated by truth. Okay, I see that, Frank. Okay, uh, all right. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Frank says he's only dogmatic when a 501c3 pastor has been told and explained why he is wrong and continues anyway. And in that case, Frank, I'm with you right there. I'm with you. And I've had those pastors before. There are a lot of them. Because they have no faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Well, what if our church burns down? Come on, think about that statement for just a moment, folks. Think about that for just a moment. What if my church burns down and I have no insurance? Well, who do we serve anyhow? Who do we worship? Does he not own the cattle on a thousand hills? You know what they do with that? They say, well, oh, yeah, okay, that's so cliche. How can that be cliche? Does he not own the cattle on a thousand hills? Can he not keep us preserved? Can he not take care of our building? If the church burns down, can we not meet somewhere else? Can we not figure out another way? You know, it's amazing. These preachers all talk about, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me, only as long as it deals with these quote-unquote spiritual aspects. They're all eye-canters when it comes to legalities, when it comes to money, when it comes to bank accounts. I thought these preachers were men of faith. I thought these preachers actually knew what they believed. I thought these were men of the book. Well, I got a $50,000 check, and, you know, I, uh, I, I, I got to use that money. No, you don't. Guys, the biggest check we ever received in our church was about, I don't know, $1,500, which is a lot of money. And I shed a tear. Oh, man. Gave the check back and explained, we're not a business. We have no bank account. We can only handle cash here. 
cash comes in, we pay our bills with cash. First, didn't cash the check for us. He walked away, never came back. Yeah, that happens. Well, we can't lose people. Listen, guys, think about it. If they lose your church because you don't have a bank account, did you really want them in your church to begin with? If it matters so much to them, did you really want them there? I won't let you think long because you probably say yes. <laughs> Don't even put me against the wall. I might even say yes for crying out loud. Oh, that's a tough one. I'm like Jack Benny. Remember that show, Jack Benny, years ago? That was a running gag with him. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not that old, folks. I really ain't. I, I just, it's what I was raised with. Jack Benny was held up by a mugger, and he says, your money or your life? And there was a pause. And then the, the, the robber says, look, bud, I said your money or your life. Jack Benny says, I'm thinking it over. I'm going to say right now, that actually might be me. <laughs> Only for a brief moment. And then you hand him the check back. You, folks. Yeah, but, but, but what if the church, if we don't have insurance, the church will burn down. Can't Jesus protect us? What if somebody trips on our sidewalk? Think about that for just a moment. Can not, I mean, isn't our God a supernatural God? Somebody trips on the sidewalk, they break their nose, and then they sue you. You're all going down because God can't rescue us. I know it's easier to say than do. I know that. Faith is oftentimes a very hard thing to exercise. I'm not so arrogant to assume that, you know, or to suggest that everything's so easy at the bed of roses church won't go through a battle. Guys, doing right has never been easy. It's always work. That's the way life is, especially in a corrupt world. But do we stop just because it's hard? Many pastors, that's exactly how they function. Too inconvenient. Remember, we talked a little bit a while ago. We talked about Stevenson. We blasted old Stephen Anderson because he dealt with this issue of 501c3. Look, we're not going to mess with another pastor, but when he starts spouting falsehoods about these areas, we're going to say something. He puts it on public YouTube. We're going to say something. And he said it's too inconvenient. And he even said that one pastor who was a Lordship Church. He, he quoted the pastor saying, I wish I had never done that. Now, look, if that guy said that, that he doesn't believe his Bible. Because I will never say, I wish I had never done that in this church. Because I'd rather be right and poor. That's, that's a proverb. That's several proverbs. Better's the poor and his integrity. I'd rather have integrity as a pastor than to be motivated by men or me, which most pastors and evangelists are. Say white poor. <laughs> That's a good thing. That I'd rather be right <laughs> Oh, Anderson's not going to be straight up with you, KJV. <clears throat> He's not. I don't even think he went to college. And he wasn't out by his church rebel from the get-go, and he was a rebel in the wrong way. I don't have a problem with being rebellious, folks, but when you're rebellious against God's New Testament patterns, then, then I have a problem. And he was 
never ordained by his pastor. And the Bible talks about the laying on of hands. And don't get super spiritual about that either, folks. Well, I'm ordained by God. Yes, but God sent ordained elders in every city. They're a mode that God has set up. Wondering where I went to college. I didn't go. And they're all going, we knew that. I didn't go to Bible college. I was trained in Bible Institute by my pastor, Pastor Mike Hoover. He trained me and sent me out. He ordained me. And, uh, and we sent him out to Indiana. Amen. So there you go. Is that why you're not an advocate of Bible college? No, I'm not an advocate of Bible college because most Bible colleges are teaching kids away from the James Bible. And they're teaching their kids uh, away from the truths of the New Testament, simple truths of the Testament, and they're focusing on the administration of the church. All right, folks, well, that's it. Which brings up another host, New World Order Info with Sir Roxanne. Coming up, you don't want to miss it. We'll see you next week. God bless you. Yeah, sure, you get her show right.
prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe, all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Things in this world are more important than clean, pure water. Understanding this, ABR makes four tabletop water distillers available to you for purchase. First, we have the five and a half hour per gallon with polycarbonate collection jug for $139. The second is a five and a half hour per gallon with glass collection jug for $189. The third is a three and a half hour per gallon with polycarbonate collection jug for $180. And our premier tabletop distiller is a three and a half hour per gallon with glass collection jug for $250. All our distillers have a stainless steel boiling pot, dome, and cooling tubes. And the premier version also has a splash flap to protect against contamination of the cooling tubes. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com for more information and procure a water supply.
right, welcome to New Order Info. And I'm Melissa Rockin, and you're listening to me on AmericanVoice.com. You can also go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com. And it is my live show on Monday, March 9th, 2015. And uh, I'm going to be covering some more information from this book I have here called The Miracle of Garlic and Vinegar. James Edmund O'Brien, and I'll see where else, you know, if there's time, we might get into some other stuff, but um, there's still a lot more to say about vinegar, believe it or not. Um, So, you know, I always tell you I'm talking about the good kind of vinegar that can go in or on your body, not the bad kind. Um, The kind not to use in or on your body or your animals or their water, et cetera, or their food. Or Sometimes people spray their animals with the right kind of vinegar to keep fleas and ticks off of them and things like that or or other various problems. But the wrong kind would be the distilled vinegar, the cheap kind of vinegar that comes in the, you know, different size containers, but it comes in the big plastic know, one-gallon container, that's not the kind to use in recipes or, you know, to drink, you know, to mix with water or to give to animals or anything like that. So that would be the kind to only use to sterilize, you know, to clean with, things like that, to get rid of mold and mildew on surfaces and keep it at bay. Um, You know, it's antifungal, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-mold and mildew, all these things, you know. So it can be great for those things, but it's not good for us, you know, our bodies or our animals. So um, just make sure and get the right kind to then are on the body or in recipes or maybe, you know, after taking your bed and researching it, if you decide to put any in your animal water, I wouldn't put much, but... A lot of people do that. A lot of farmers do that and, you know, feed livestock and people put it in their pet's water, etc. cetera. Uh, but research it and check with your pet and all that. And everything I tell you or others tell you, you know, make sure and speak with your your licensed medical practitioner about it or uh, anything you read or hear or wonder about before you do it. And also do research because, you know, it's it's good not to just put your life in whoever's hands, but to look at yourself and do thorough research about it. But, you know, you can always ask your doctor, too, which I recommend. Legally, I have to say that anyway. You know, and there's lots of great books out there. There's lots of great websites out there, and I share websites that I refer to with you, you know, a lot of the time. So... Um, you really kind of have to know where to go to look for the information. That's a problem. A lot of people go to sites that are, you know, basically allopathic type sites and big pharma sites where they say the lies, you know, and they tell lies about all of the good things, and then they promote all of the bad things. So you have to know where to go and how to find the information. And that goes for books, too. But it's hard, I do admit. But um, anyway, so the right kind of vinegar would be the, the raw, organic apple cider vinegar. And it's going to say that on the label if you get the right kind. And 
it would say mother with mother, M-O-T-H-E-R, or veil of the mother, if it is the right kind. And two that Frank and I used are Bragg brand, B-R-A-G-G brand of apple cider vinegar. And another one is Solana Gold, G-O-L-D, Solana Gold, S-O-L-L-N-A-G-O-L-D dot com. You can go to the site, information about both of their products. Um, and I brag, has more than just that available, I know. But anyway, for the vinegar, they have, you know, plenty of information on there. So check that out. And Bragg, I know Patricia Bragg, and I'm probably there's a lot more. They offer lots of books on that site, but I have one of the books there about the vinegar. So I don't know what I did with it, though. That's the problem. <laughs> it's a little paperback book, but it's got a lot of really good information. So you might want to get that book, too. I know I think I have ebooks even available there. Um, and then the paperback one, I don't know. It was probably anywhere from 8 to 12 or $13 that I bought. Um, I think I probably paid like 8 or 9 for it. So um, I'm going to get back into this book, though, The Miracle of Garlic and Vinegar. Um, now, remember last week I told you that vinegar can help fight off infection. And it does this by keeping fluids where they belong in your body cells, not bacteria. So bacteria need moisture to thrive, and they pull fluids out of your body's cells for their own purposes. So if the bacteria is the bad kind, if they multiply and your resistance is down, the process can go unchecked and you can become be sick. The end result of this process is death, naturally. But there are, fortunately, a number of medicines available today to prevent that. The way to defeat bacterial infection, then, is to keep moisture in cells and not let the germs get to it. And according to Dr. D.C. Jarvis, if there is enough potassium in each body cell, it will draw moisture from the bacteria instead of the bacteria taking moisture from the body cells. It is by taking care to eat foods which are a source of potassium, such as fruit, berries, edible leaves, edible roots, and honey, and by the use of apple cider vinegar that the body cells are provided with the moisture-attracting potassium needed to win the contest with bacteria. In addition, Dr. Blodgett explained to me that many of the medicines used to combat bacterial illnesses work on the same principle, by depriving bacteria of moisture and thus keeping fluids inside the cells. So, you know, I did give you information also about signs of a potassium deficiency in my last, you know, couple of shows, I think, how to increase potassium uptake, um, intake, and, you know, we learned that probably the best way to get potassium is in the apple cider vinegar. And uh, Dr. Blodgett believes that there's something that occurs in the vinegar that makes the potassium more effective than if it comes from any other source. And there are two reasons for that. First, the minerals in the vinegar activate and potentiate the potassium, which means they make it work better. 
and Dr. D.C. Jarvis, who frequently used apple cider vinegar to treat his patients, along with honey and other, you know, natural remedies, but mainly out of vinegar and honey. He agreed with Dr. Blodgett about that conclusion he came to, and he writes, I have come to the conclusion that potassium alone is not as effective in producing results as potassium with associated minerals, some of which must activate the potassium. And one reason for the versatility of apple cider vinegar as a remedy in Vermont, which is where he, you know, all his patients and lived, uh, Dr. D.C. Jarvis, that is, um, as a remedy in Vermont folk medicine is that it associates minerals with potassium. These are phosphorus, chlorine, sodium, magnesium, calcium, sulfur, iron, fluorine, silicon, and trace minerals. The second reason vinegar makes potassium so effective is that it presents the mineral in an acid medium, and nature always combines potassium with an acid. I'd have to guess potassium needs an acid medium to work, logic included. So, um, you know, to get all the potassium that your body should ideally have every day, you cannot find a better source than vinegar, and that would be the apple cider vinegar. Dr. Jarvis wrote, apple cider vinegar is the best kind. So that's the best kind of vinegar, and then the potassium in the vinegar would be the best kind of potassium to get. That's the reason behind all that. And potassium requirement, you know, potassium's main function is to promote cell tissue and organism growth, and that also means potassium is necessary to replace worn-out tissue and dead cells. Basically, it sustains life. And slow growth in a child or failure to grow could be a sign of potassium deficiency. So are signs of premature aging, such as loss of hair, tooth decay, or fingernails that are either brittle and tear or soft and bend. So this means that old and young alike need plenty of potassium. And potassium requirements are at a maximum when they are being used in infancy to build body tissues. But the requirements continue throughout life and there is no substitute for potassium. And remember, there's no better source of potassium than the vinegar, particularly apple cider vinegar. Learned that. And so, um, you know, we learned about the bacteria and how, you know, they need moisture to thrive and they pull the fluids out of your body cells for their own purposes. So, you know, the apple cider vinegar is great um, of potassium, which that your vinegar does have in it, and it's like the best source of potassium, according to Drs. Blodgett and D.C. Jarvis. You know, if, if, the, if the cells in the body, if there's enough potassium in each cell, it will draw moisture from the bacteria instead of the bacteria taking moisture from the body cells. So, you know, it's a good thing to, to get that bad bacteria, you know, out of your system and to take care of them to where they won't, you know, make you sick and you'll get well or keep them away, keep them at bay. Um, so good digestion means good health. Two teaspoons of apple cider vinegar added to a glass of water at each meal is helpful in maintaining the health of your digestive tract and in turn the all-around health of your body. Apple cider vinegar destroys microorganisms, including bacteria, fungi, viruses, and others, 
and prevents poisons from reaching the rest of your system. Good for yeast infections, athlete's feet, um, you know, any kind of yeast, candida. Um, uh, you know, I think it's good for cancer, you know. So a lot of people think uh, cures a fungus, and it is an antifungal. So um, this effect is so potent that it can even protect you from food poisoning. If you accidentally eat some fish, meat, or other food that has spoiled slightly, of course, it's always better to eat good, fresh food and avoid the bone in the first place. But it is helpful to know that you can avoid discomfort if you are accidentally spined. This is especially useful in, you know, the summer picnic season, which is also prime time for food poisoning. And, hey, it's springtime now, and I'm sure lots of people are going to be having those picnics and family reunions outside and things like that. And it's not really spring, but we're having like an early spring, at least here. Um, so here in Southern Oregon. And unsuspecting vacationers can end a day of swimming, tennis, and horseshoes, writhing in agony from diarrhea and the rest of these wickedly upsetting digestive crises. During the warm months, people who like to enjoy the outdoors also bring along lots of food which they leave standing unrefrigerated, which is a very bad idea. So, you know, don't do that. Make sure that your food, your cold food stays cold and your warm, hot food stays hot, etc., so that, that food poisoning won't happen. And uh, thus giving bacteria a wonderful opportunity to firmly take charge when, you know, the food is left outdoors and uh, unrefrigerated. The apple cider vinegar treatment can make the difference between health and illness. If you accidentally eat contaminated food, a teaspoon of apple cider vinegar added to a glass of water can treat the illness when most people assume it's too late when symptoms are present. Um, a lot of times, you know, a lot of people drink the apple cider vinegar mixed into water before they eat, including when they go out to eat, you know, because even restaurants. You know, their food can give people food poisoning, and the same thing food bought at the grocery store, even produce. You know, there's been all kind of things out there in the news in the last few years, like about the cantaloupe and different things causing people to be very sick, very, very sick. So I think it's a good preventative. Just realize that apple vinegar is a blood thinner, so that's important. If you're on blood thinners or you're using anything else that is a blood thinner, you know, that, you know, it could be a problem to use more than one blood thinner. It could cause a problem. So, you know, always ask your doctor about these things and realize there's a lot of blood thinners out there, and I don't know every single one. I can't name every single one. So it would be a good idea to look up, you know, what, which things are blood thinners, including over-the-counter or big pharma drugs or you know, herbs, spices, natural blood thinners, things like that because there's a lot of them, like cinnamon and uh, vitamin C, ascorbic acid. They're all blood thinners. Um, cayenne is a blood thinner. Um, cinnamon, like I said. Uh, lemon juice, orange juice, grapefruit juice, citrus juices. They're blood thinners, too. And I'm sure there's many, many more. And apple cider vinegar is a blood thinner as well. Garlic is a blood thinner. Garlic and onions, that's another blood thinner. So... 
those are just a few. Um, so just realize, you know, if you're using more than one of these, it could be very bad news, especially if you're on prescription blood thinner. Um, I know you have to be very careful. Fish oil is another blood thinner, by the way. So when there is food poisoning with vomiting, if you attempt to drink a whole glass of the apple cider vinegar mixed in water at once, the stomach will not accept it. But a small amount every few minutes can be cut down. And I went over this last week, but I went over it kind of fast, so I'm going to go over it again. And normally, except in a very few small exceptions, the way to take the apple cider vinegar is in a glass of water mixed together instead of just drinking the vinegar straight. Keep that in mind. So for the food poisoning with vomiting, um, you know, if you try to drink the vinegar mixed into the water a whole glass at once, the stomach won't accept it. But the way to do it is a small amount of the vinegar mixed in water every few minutes. That can be kept on without vomiting it back up. And yeah, rat poisoning, uh, rat poison, coumadin, that's a rat poison. So, I mean, it's used as rat poison, and that is a prescription blood thinner. So, I think the prescription blood thinners are highly dangerous myself, and I know you have to be very careful if you're if you're on those, you know, you're, at least I know of someone in my family that was on that because they had lots of medical problems due to two pharma drugs, um, and the bad reactions caused them to have blood clot and pneumonia and all kind of other things, um, venous thrombosis, and so they put them on a blood center, and and they were told they had to be very careful not to cut themselves, you know, shaving, like in other words, don't shave, kind of thing like that. Um, so just keep in mind, you know, it, is, it can be highly dangerous. You don't want to mix the whole blood thinners together or drink things that are blood thinning along with taking the blood thinners that are prescribed to you or blood thinner that's prescribed to you, et cetera. So you have to be very cautious and mindful of what blood thinners there are out there because it can be food even, or spices, you know, or just. So an ordinary drinking glass will hold about 50 teaspoons, okay? And that's a measuring teaspoon. And I'll give you the recipe about how to do that after the break. So we'll be right back.
access for their people during civil strife. The FCC. One communication system. Satellite system from ABR. The ABR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-meter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Food prices going up, homes being foreclosed, unemployment insurance running out, jobs leaving the country. Many people cannot afford to eat or keep a roof over their heads. Too many to eat either.
Right. Uh, I didn't hear but a few seconds of that song, so uh, I was away from the board and didn't know what happened. So, um, I don't know what happened with that, but sorry about that. So, um, welcome back to New World Order Info, and I'm Melissa Roxanne, and listening to me on TheAmericanVoice.com. It's actually a three-plus minute song, so something definitely went wrong. <laughs> but anyway, um... It is my live show tonight on March 9th, 2015. I told you I was going to give you the recipe before the break. Um, this is in case, you know, this is what I would do, among other things, if I, you know, got food poisoning. So it's a teaspoon of apple cider vinegar added to a glass of water that can treat food poisoning when most people assume it's too late when symptoms are present. So, you know, that's up to you. I'm not going to tell you what to do, what not to do, or, you know, if you feel like you need to go to the doctor, the hospital, the emergency room, or whatever you need to do, you need to do that. This is just what I would personally do. Poisoning with vomiting. If you should attempt to drink a whole glass of the apples or vinegar, the right kind, like the kind with the mother brag, apple cider vinegar, or Solana Gold, for instance. Stomach will not accept it, but a small amount every few minutes can be kept down, according to Dr. D.C. Jarvis. So an ordinary drinking glass will hold about 50 teaspoons. That's measured, you know, with the Actual teaspoon, measured spoon, and teaspoonful doses will require about four hours. Contents of the first glass have been dipped in. Another glass should be prepared in the same way, and the dose increased two, two or more teaspoons every five minutes. So, um, you know, it would not be a good idea to just drink the the glass of water with the apple cider vinegar, but to just drink a little bit at a time. And first glass is That's taken, then the contents are all gone. Another should be prepared in the same way the dose increased. And this will add another two hours of treatment. Third glass full should be prepared and taken one small swallow every fifth. So that's a teaspoon of apple cider vinegar added to a glass of water. And I just say an ordinary drink glass will hold about 50 teaspoons of water and then a teaspoon of vinegar added. But they don't really say how big the drinking glass is. Like look up online, they have these little conversion things, tables and all that. And you might want to put in 50 teaspoons and just see what that's equal to because that's basically the size glass one would need to use. So, um, he does say, 
you know, a third glassful should be prepared, and I'd be one teaspoon of apple cider vinegar mixed into the glass. 50 teaspoons of water, and that one should be prepared and taken one small swallow every 15 minutes. So wake up with nausea and vomiting or other symptoms digestive upsets. He advises following the apple cider vinegar under treatment throughout the day. By supper time, you should be able to eat something light and easily digestible. And I hope Frank will get that song that just played a few seconds and and play it like with another song next because that's like one of my favorite songs and it was supposed to be three minutes plus. I don't know what went wrong, but you only got to hear about 32 seconds of it. So that would be great if that is possible. So be sure to take extra vinegar and water five times a day or more for the next three days also. That's what, you know, I would do if I got food poisoning. I would probably also definitely take garlic, you know, organic garlic, and, you know, take some vitamin C, although these are three blood centers right there, so, you know, problems in certain people. But um, I probably wouldn't do it all at the same time, but, you know, within, you know, going through this for several days, you know, you can kind of mix it up and do different things, and then there's activated charcoal, and that's something great to get any kind of poison, well, most poisons. Certain ones they claim you shouldn't use it with, but then I read elsewhere that really it's good to get out for anything, so that's something you need to research as well. And I know that hospitals, doctors, emergency rooms, ambulances, and paramedics, and veterinarians do and or have used alcohol many, many times on people and animals. So um, it was used on one of our animals when they got some bad cat food, and it made them have excess saliva to the point of dehydration. In fact, it happened to several of our animals, and... I finally figured out it was the cat food causing it, um, you know, because it was just certain animals that received that, that cat food and they had the symptoms, but one of our cats had it worse than any of the rest. They all were salivating excessively, but she was, you know, when I found this was happening, so she was on, in other words, was soaked. And so I knew she was dehydrated. And they gave her activated charcoal. Fine after that. Used by many doctors and veterinarians and things. So I think it's good to have that on hand all the time and to stock up on the activated charcoal as well as apple cider vinegar. Keep it out of the heat, you know, and it should probably last forever um, if you do that, especially out of the sunlight. Um, and as much as you can, I heat would be better. But but from everything I've read, you know, if you keep it out of sunlight and try to not get it too hot, even though it'll probably be okay probably not good for her because you don't 
want to heat it. You don't want to buy pasteurized kind. That's the whole point. You don't want to get enzymes. It gets in the vinegar. So the more heated it gets, the same as coconut oil, honey, raw honey, you know, the raw coconut oil, things like that that are raw, you know, you're kind of cooking it when you let it get too hot. So you don't want to do that. So then um, also uh, kidney and bladder and apple cider vinegar has another important use as well. It keeps the kidneys and bladder doing their vital work of eliminating waste from the body. That inflammation of the kidneys, which can lead to a backup of toxins, to blood poisoning, which is I've read too that foods can uh, get into the bloodstream and that can cause substances. And the acid nature, and it may be because have, um, and that causes their their veins and arteries, uh, capillaries, etc., to kind of burst. And I think that's probably how the food is getting into into. veins, arteries, and capillaries can be a big problem. Problems with scurvy. Um, with scurvy, from what I've researched, that causes people to have heart attacks, bleeding internally, externally, blood clots, things like this. So, you know, uh, people think scurvy is unheard of and nobody gets it anymore, but I think it's quite the opposite, and just the doctors and, you know, academias, and just not telling us these things, et cetera, um, and the doctors themselves either don't know or they're not telling you, so, you know, they're giving you open-heart surgery, and they're not doing what you really need, which is more vitamin C, you know? Probably anemic if you're bleeding. Uptake of iron, so it all works together. And so the acid nature of vinegar makes the environment in the urinary tract unpleasant for germs. And don't get it, I wouldn't anyway. This is something you're doing for your health, not to poison yourself. So you don't want petrochemicals from plastic to get into that acidic vinegar. But two teaspoons of the right kind of vinegar in water mixed together will eventually, um, that will quiet a potentially dangerous condition called pilitis, in which pus cells originating in the bladder or present in the urine. Bladder doing their vital work of eliminating waste from the body that mixed into water does a very important use for that. And it combats inflammation of the kidneys, which can lead to a backup of toxins and eventually to blood poisoning. 
environment in the urinary tract unpleasant for germs, two teaspoons of the apple cider vinegar in water will eventually quiet a potentially dangerous condition called in the bladder or present in the urine. Vitamin C is also good for inflammation. And inflammation, you know, the word flame basically is in that word. Fire, so that's a very Okay, so vanishing thoughts. Everybody is looking for the magic bullet that will allow them to eat steak and substance french fries, which are all unhealthy. With ice cream for dessert and to still stay skinny. So um, the magic, you know, the apple cider vinegar, not that kind of magic, but it can do something very important in your drive to get slim or stay slim. Apple cider vinegar can help kick that metabolism of yours into high gear. That means that your body is more free to burn fat than to store it as unsightly slab. So there's a lot of good news for you here. Again, you have the potassium content to thank for this because it is potassium that promotes the proper chemical reactions in your body. And the added nature of the vinegar makes certain that the conditions body requires for fat burning are just right. So, um, you know, we have all these different means to decide if, you know, we'll. Right, and so on and so on. It's all around us. Dr. Jarvis looks at it from a rather more old fashioned homespun perspective. Weight measurement is greater than that of the chest, the waist, I'm sorry. Waist measurement is greater than that of the chest, or the chin is inclined to be double, then it is generally safe to conclude that physiology and biochemistry in the body are disturbed. Too fat if it takes more tape to measure around your waist or hips than your chest. When this happens, Vermont folk medicine depends on apple cider vinegar to bring about a disappearance of fat. And these are using the apple cider vinegar and honey. And that book is called Folk Medicine, and I have it here. Thought about apple cider vinegar and honey mainly. Bigger book and it's a mine is a hard hardcover book anyway. They're quoting from him a lot in this book that I have. So um Good news is that you don't have to make any frightening major alterations in your daily diet when we're talking about using the apple cider vinegar mixed with water to bring about a disappearance of fat. Honestly, that you take with those foods that your experience has shown absolutely pack on the pounds around your waistline or your hips. For most people, sweets, chips, other snacks, and burgers are likely to be the prime culprit. 
fat in his bread. Potatoes or pasta that make you fat because they really do not. I don't know. I'm not going to say that. Bread good for you. Potatoes, maybe, but um, I think they're bad because they're made flowers and starch. So, fat is fattening, and starchy foods simply do not contain any fat. Meat, whole milk and cheese, pastry, and junk food are the prime sources of fat. And so, it is always the butter, sour cream, or cheese that you add to starchy foods that actually put on the meat. It definitely is not the bread, spaghetti, or potatoes. That's what Dr. Jarvis said. Um, I know that. Here's what we recommend for your your baby to get iron, your child to get iron. They were saying, um, you know, for your child to give your child fat-free dairy or low-fat dairy. And I think the fat, you know, the, especially fat-free, I don't agree with that, giving fat-free. That, um, you know, a lot of people think dairy is bad, and I'm not going to say it does have calcium, and calcium can cause problems. And that could be something to... I don't believe in, like, those no-fat dairy products itself, or, or no-fat, you know, things that are on the market as, as titled as no-fat and things like that. Um, I think they're not good. They're usually processed junk food and stuff like that. Anyway, so butter, of course, organic butter with the cows, you know, especially the best kind would be the raw goat's milk butter. From raw goat's milk, that would be the very best. You know, and if it was organic and they were eating the proper things and all that. That would probably be the only kind we should really have, although most people out there don't have goats and they can't get a hold of that, so illegal in most states probably for you to try to get the raw milk, um, although I guess in some states maybe the SWAT teams come in and raid places like that quite uh, So most people, you know, if they're going to eat butter, it's going to be from cow's milk. And that, that I would try to get the best kind would be if you're going to eat it anyway. You know, the organic kind from the cow's out in a pasture that it can eat grass, you know, the grass-fed cows and stuff like that. And not the kind fed dead, diseased animal parts and that have mad cows to begin with or um, sick and died and they don't even know what they died of and they feed them to the animals and not that have, you know, bovine growth hormones. Though on the label it'll say, "Oh, there's been found some milk difference," but from everything I've read, they cause cancer. 
kidney building antibiotics anyway, which cause superbugs because you are what you eat and you are what you know whatever you ate ate or was given, meaning the antibiotics and the broad spectrum antibiotics that they're given, you know, all the time across the board, usually even when they're not sick. So, you know, that's usually not as much the case with the ones labeled organic. You know, they're not allowed to do that. So not saying they never give them antibiotics, but I think they get a whole lot less than them that's not organic, so and you can afford to do that, you know, on it. This is an investment in your health. Got butter and whatever kind of dairy products. Then they're not fed GMOs either, you know, so that's the thing. Right kind of certification for a different definitions of organic, so you should look those I'll try to stick with organic if you can do that. And so what seems like less than wonderful news is that vinegar cannot help you lose 10 pounds in 10 days. The actual weight loss will be a good deal more gradual. But in fact, that is really good news because researchers have shown over and over that it's weight that's lost gradually that in the long run stays off. woman between 5 feet and 5 feet 6 inches tall, weighing 210 pounds, takes 2 teaspoons of apple cider vinegar and a glass of water at each meal. She will weigh about 180 pounds at the end of 2 years. That's 30 pounds of weight lost at the end of 2 years. Big stomach, I guess. There's a punch and two years. The vinegar will help you burn fat instead of store it. Your daily activities will help you shed inches and rolls of fat much more. Says Dr. Blodgett, if a woman whose dress fits tightly will sip apple cider vinegar in a glass of water at each meal, she will find at the end of two months that she can take her dress in one inch at the waistline. Comes my song, so we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere.
increased access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need tr- the KU band free to air satellite system from ABR. The ABR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 17 centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the thing and the system for $49.99. Call 541 225 4659. That's 541 225 4659 or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see trends reversing, even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGScoins.com. That's DGScoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. Organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays at 6 p.m. Pacific.
All right, welcome back to New World Order Info. And it's the second hour of my live show tonight on Monday, March 9th, 2015. And you're listening to me on TheAmericanVoice.com. You can also go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com. And thanks to Frank for finding that song and playing the whole thing uh, earlier before the break. Um, so I'm going to get back into this book called The Miracle of Garlic and Vinegar by James Edmund O'Brien. So I was telling you for weight loss, EDC, quote about that, um, this is by Dr. D.C. Jarvis, who wrote the book, uh, Folk Medicine, Theory. that guy, so he said, um, you know, he talked about how it's good to lose weight at a slower pace and that the apple cider vinegar mixed into a glass of water, um, that would be two teaspoons measured out with a measuring spoon, teaspoon that is, After that, you know, into a glass of water and stir it up, and I would drink it through a straw and try to keep it from coming into contact with my teeth to protect the enamel from the acidic nature of apple cider vinegar. And so he said if a woman that weighed 210 and was like 5 feet 6 inches tall, if, if she did that and took the 2 teaspoons of apple cider vinegar mixed into the glass of water at each meal, she would weigh about 180 pounds at the end of two years. It may not even take that long, though. That's what he said. And then if a man has a paunch, meaning a big stomach, um, he will lose the paunch in two years' time. It will help burn fat. Instead of storing the fat, your daily activities will help you shed inches and rolls much more quickly than pounds. And Dr. Blodgett said, if a woman who's dressed tightly will sip two teaspoons of apple cider vinegar in a glass of water at each meal, and by the way, that can help protect from getting food poisoning, too. So it's a good Do the research, check with your doctor, make sure that it's something that you can do because it may be something you shouldn't do. Um, so he says that that woman will find at the end of two months that she can take her dress in one inch at the waistline. At the end of two more months, she will be able to take it in another inch. And by the end of the fifth month, one more inch of taking apple cider vinegar in this amount, a woman who wears a size 50 dress will fit into a size 42, and one who wears a size 20, a size 18. Also, a woman who wears a size 16 will fit into a size 14. Dr. Blodgett called the wellness plan completely simple and incredibly effective. It certainly sounds easy, and I know that a lot of people do have success using the apple cider vinegar mixed into water to lose weight. And I've read, again, that it's good to do, you know, if you are going to eat the bad foods that you really shouldn't eat, that, um, you know, I'm not going to say to go out and eat those foods, um, but like uh, Dr. like Dr. Norman Walker, uh, Dr. of Science and PhD and the so-called father of juicing, you know, he was against the pasta, the bread, and the the sugar, sugary, 
carbohydrates and things like that, concentrated sugars, because they cause disease. They cause all kind of problems. Um, you know, and so he was against those, the flour and all that kind of stuff. But a lot of people still do it, you know. And I'm not going to say it's a good thing, but I have read that for things like that, you know, they're fattening with fattening sauces and pasta and things, bread and potatoes and starchy items. The apple cider vinegar mixed into the water is really good, you know, to keep your body from from absorbing as much fat. It seems, you know, I don't know exactly how it works, but it probably works somewhat like that. And so it can keep you from gaining, you know, as much fat to begin with. What I've read, so... It's also good for those that have sleep issues and chronic fatigue is like an alarm clock waking you from a sound sleep. It alerts you that a dramatic change must take place quickly. This is a fancy way of saying that fatigue is a warning sign of impending illness. A recent study at Cornell University, and this was back in the day because this book was written in like 1994 or something, it showed that more than 50 million Americans, and I'm sure that there's more now, nowadays, suffer from sleep deficit and the resulting fatigue. Translation, they don't sleep enough. The solution, of course, is to get more shut-eye, but how about? Most are yawning and dragging around with heavy eyelids most of the time because there's so much to do in this sick society of ours. When Dr. Blodgett would see the circles under my eyes, he would point out to me that I should go to bed earlier. He would add that artificial lighting is a relatively new invention and that in the days before Thomas Edison, people used to go to bed not long after sunset and wake with the sunrise. Obviously, times have changed and that is no longer possible or practical, but most of us could do with one more hour of sleep a night. And you make human growth hormone when you sleep and when you exercise, and that's something that helps to keep, you know, you young, keep your, your, I guess, not your chronological age, but just your body's age, it's better for your mind's age probably too. It helps to keep you young. So sleep or exercise, you do make that human growth hormone. So above all, you want to stay away from sedatives, sleeping pills, narcotics, or alcohol to help you to sleep, etc., or to help you for whatever reason. Once again, it's apple cider vinegar to the rescue, because those things don't help, they only hurt you, you know? Or fast, depending. And another way to overcome fatigue is to use apple cider vinegar in your bath, add a half pint to a tub full of bath water, and immerse yourself in it for 15 minutes. Skin will absorb some of the vinegar and the potassium in it and pep you up. So it gives you energy. One note, use the vinegar in the bath water instead of soap. It will clean your skin quite effectively. That's something really good to, to know. And it, and it gets rid of the bad bacteria, the viruses, you know, the fungus, all that kind of stuff. Yet another way to perk yourself up is to add several ounces to a sink full of water. Splash it on your shoulders, arms, in your armpits, on your chest, stomach, neck, and face. 
Don't dry it with a towel, but let it soak in. You will find it quite refreshing. About um, a pint of the right kind of apple cider vinegar, you know, the good kind like Bragg or Solana Gold or two good brands anyway, in a glass bottle, the, the raw, organic, with the mother vinegars. And that's a pint in the bath water, actually half a pint to a tub full of bath water. And then immerse yourself in it for 15 minutes and so you're getting some of the vinegar and some of the potassium. Give you energy. But you might not want to do that before bed. So instead of using soap, I know Patricia Bragg, Dr. Patricia Bragg, she uses the apple cider vinegar. Of course, she can afford to because they're a family company. But she uses it instead of soap. It isn't really that expensive, and it can be diluted with water anyway. She doesn't use soap. What I've heard and read her say, she just uses that the apple cider vinegar. So that's going to clean your body, give you the potassium, you know, and it's got the good minerals and vitamins there. It's got enzymes in it, you know, but it can be used externally as well. It's good for arthritis, for aches and pains, all kind of different things. You know, food poisoning taken internally to prevent food poisoning keeps you from gaining fat. You know, when you eat fat and food a lot of the time, it helps you to lose excess fat. Um, it's good for varicose veins and, and different swollen vein problems and things like that. Um, there's so many uses for it. Um, it's good for migraines, stress, you know, headaches. It's great to use. So many naturopathic physicians believe that most headaches have a single cause, too much alkaline in the system. When the chemistry is changed back to a normal you know, a natural acidity, headaches usually disappear or become mild and more manageable. It could be a sign of magnesium deficiency, too, when you have headaches. So that's something else you might want to try if you have, like, the magnesium gel or magnesium um, oil, which is not really an oil. It just feels oily, so they refer to it as an oil. I would never get it from the Great Salt Lake or the Dead Sea, that kind of magnesium or any other product, because it would be full of mercury, and the FDA still allows it to be sold, even though it is full of mercury, just like they allow sodas and, and items, you know, products in the store, food beverages with high fructose corn syrup, that also, you know, the mercury can be found and has been found in the high fructose corn syrup. They allow that on the market. So they allow us to be poisoned with mercury in that way, as well as in the vaccines and many other ways. In the seafood, you know, the mercury's in that. A lot of the time, you know, others in the seafood, but, you know, it can be mercury. So they allow this because, hey, your job to poison us, I guess, um, federal murder agency. So, but it could be um, a magnesium deficiency to have a headache. Um, same thing with seizures. If you have seizures, it could be very uh, often it's a magnesium deficiency, although it could be other things too. Um, that is, but quite often it could be a magnesium deficiency. And magnesium is also great to to get after strokes or heart attacks, you know, because it can keep one from dying and keep one from being. Um, disabled. 
more as disabled after a stroke or artifact. So you can uh, read about that, and I'm going to try to, to find some information regarding that because I've told you that, but I actually found I think there's a study done about it. So, but um, for headaches and things like that, um, I would try probably you know either that finger or the magnesium. Like I said, um, it could be good even if one doesn't have say the magnesium oil or magnesium gel, which are going to be stronger and have more magnesium in them, or it will last longer, the effects will. Uh, you could also maybe just mix up some water with some Epsom salt and shake it up, and then like apply it to wherever the headache you know, is, like your head or your temples or wherever. And that might help. Or maybe soak off in it and apply it, a wash or something. That could help. Um, or get into a tub full of the, the magnesium salt say water, which is Epsom salt. So, and then if I had the magnesium or the magnesium oil, I would just apply that to wherever either the pain I had was, because it's good for pain too, or headache or whatever. Um, but for as far as the apple cider vinegar goes, um, you know, that's another thing that it can be used for is for the headache. So Dr. Jarvis explains that you can restore you know, that natural level, the natural acidity, which is good because that makes the headaches usually disappear or become more mild and more manageable. So by taking apple cider vinegar in water in the morning and evening and at every meal. So really it's good for so many things. To take it upon awakening in the water, to take it with every meal. It prevents food poisoning. It keeps you from getting a lot of the starchy and fat you know, from your body absorbing it all and from getting weight, as much weight. Plus, you know, there's so many things we eat in restaurants and I read things that people say, you know, that are servers and cooks and the things that they say, you know, that they do. They don't wear gloves and they have diseases and they have the bad bacteria, the virus, whatever. They go to work sick because they're told if they don't, they're going to get fired. All these things. Plus, you know, a lot of times the illegal invaders or whoever out there in the fields they're going to the bathroom, you know, so that they're, you know, getting mixed in with different things, you know, getting on the food, all these different reasons, you know, why the apple cider vinegar mix in water would be a good thing to do to taste before and with, you know, either or before meals or during a meal. And then upon awakening and before going to bed. So good for lots of different reasons to do that, but check with your doctor, like I say, and research it and everything. So it can restore that level of natural acidity in the body by taking, you know, apple cider vinegar and water in every in the morning and evening and at every meal. And if your headaches are bad Something I would do if I had bad headaches is to try doubling the amount of vinegar and also two teaspoons of honey are recommended by Dr. were recommended by Dr. DC Jarvis at each meal to prevent a headache. So two teaspoons full of honey. And actually I've read that, that can so called uh, I'm not gonna say the C word because I'm not supposed to on the air, but it got rid of 
someone's alcoholism, give them honey. I think I've shared it with you in the past, but I'll try to do that. Um, and a lot of times it could be deficiencies that are causing that alcoholism, nutritional deficiencies, nutrients that they're deprived of, such as vitamin B3, for one. And the actual founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, Bill W., discovered that. Uh, I don't know that he was the first to discover it, but he did. He tried to tell, you know, the board members, and they didn't want anyone to know that that can get rid of someone's alcoholism to treat them with vitamin B3, niacin, et cetera. So, you know, you could look that up. But honey is another remedy for alcoholism, so... Um, so if the headache has appeared, however, take a tablespoon of honey at once, and I would use a measuring spoon. Since it requires no processed digestion, and I'd use the raw honey, organic, in a glass container. Quickly be absorbed in the bloodstream. The headache will often begin to thin by the end of a half hour. So that's one tablespoon of raw organic, preferably alcohol, I'm sorry, honey. And that's for headache. So there's no digestion required. It will be quickly absorbed into the bloodstream. Headache will often begin to lessen by the end of a half an hour. If not, another teaspoonful of vinegar, of honey, I keep saying vinegar, another teaspoonful of honey should take. First it's a tablespoonful, then after half an hour, another teaspoonful of the raw organic honey should be taken to get rid of the headache. And a vinegar vapor is also effective in relieving migraines, and that is in many times they are caused from magnesium deficiency. Keep that in mind. What I said earlier about magnesium, that may be another thing that would work to get rid of the migraines and seizures as well. And so put e-cards, this is what I would do anyway, of apple cider vinegar and stove uh, and water in a pan on the stove. Eat parts of apple cider vinegar and water in a pan on the stove, bring it to a slow boil, and then lean, I would lean my head over and inhale as fumes begin to rise from the basin. Say more about that on the other side. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere.
mineral are more important than clean, pure water. Understanding this, ABR makes four tabletop water distillers available to you for purchase. First, we have the five and a half hour per gallon polycarbonate collection jug for $139. The second is a five and a half hour per gallon with glass collection jug for $189. The third is a three and a half hour per gallon with polycarbonate collection jug for $189. And our premier tabletop distiller is a three and a half hour per gallon with glass collection jug $250. All our distillers have a stainless steel boiling pot, dome, and cooling systems. And the premier version also has a splash flap to protect against contamination of the cooling tubes. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com for more information and protect your water supply. Food prices going up, homes being foreclosed, unemployment insurance running out, jobs leaving the country. Many people cannot afford to eat or keep a roof over their head. Too many, indeed, either. Messiah's Branch Methodist Mission Church in Wichita, Kansas, that helps the victims of this banker's economy, the American people. Your neighbors, the mission is the last hope for so many Americans. We need your help to lift up the poorest of the poor. These are men, women, and children who once had homes, now in the street. They all need what you need for aid. Beds, food, clothing, and so on. You can send a monetary gift or a box of necessities to 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 66851. Or donate online by going to wichitahomeless.com. Or simply call 316-619-4886. Free will fund it. 619-4886. ...of the United States. Kings have fought. Nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, cursed, and stolen. There is the... ...store the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. Invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at one 800 375 4188. That's 1 800 375 4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit discountgoldandsilvertrading.net or call 1 800 375 4188. That's 1 800 375 4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll free 1 800 375 4188. That's 1 800 375 4188. Call now.
All right, welcome back to New World Order Info, and I'm Melissa Roxanne, and it is the last part of my live show tonight on Monday, March 9th, 2015, and you're still listening to me on TheAmericanVoice.com. You can also go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com. At least those are two of the ways to listen. There's lots more, and you can find them all there. And also thank you to the micro broadcasters out there and for all of you that tell others about us and support us in many different ways. We do appreciate that. Okay, so I'm going to tell you again about how another way to relieve migraines, and that is by putting equal parts of apple cider vinegar and water in a pan on the stove. This is what I might try if I had one. I've never had a migraine, though. And bring the equal parts of apple cider vinegar in water in a pan on the stove to a boil, a slow boil. Make sure it's the right kind of vinegar, of course, a good kind like Bragg brand or Solana Gold. That's good for your health, and it's the raw organic kind with the mother. Don't use distilled vinegar or wine vinegar or some other kind of vinegar. And then I would lean my head over you know, carefully, not too close or anything, and inhale inhale the fumes as they begin to 
rise from the basin. And so Dr. D.C. Jarvis says, inhale fumes for 75 breaths. Generally, you will find that the headache stops for about half an hour. If it starts again, it will be about 50% less severe. The use of headache tablets can be stopped if the apple cider vinegar fumes method is employed. Well, I'm against those so-called headache tablets to begin with, and I would never, you know, run in those or use those. Um, but, you know, they can cause all kinds of problems. You know, there's just many different ones out there, and they're all bad for different reasons. Um, Tylenol and acetaminophen, they ruin the liver, destroy the liver. Um, you know, and they're just, all of them are bad. You, can, you know, anybody can get Stevens-Johnson syndrome from any of them or from any over-the-counter medications or prescription medications, or one could get toxic epidermal necrolysis or TIN, so those are known as SJS for Stevens-Johnson syndrome and 10 for toxic epidermal necrolysis. And it affects the skin, and it's like the body is burned. It's extremely painful. It can be like having a burn on most or all of the body, and it affects the mucous mem membranes. It can kill a person very easily. It can make them sick and disabled for life. It can cause them to be blind. Just aspirin or children's Motrin, for example, you know, or any kind of over-the-counter drug, including these, or, you know, prescription drugs can cause these. Even antibiotics can cause these reactions. And, you know, it could be the fact that most of the drugs are made from petroleum. You know, it's like petrochemicals are what the drugs are made from, and that is a poison to our bodies. Um, and I was reading some of these warnings, you know, where they're promoting all these drugs on, on the web mainly. But it's in magazines, it's on TV, it's all over the place, you know, radio, whatever. And the, the things they tell you, you know, like, oh, this one can cause you to get, you know, this, that, and the other. It's just, it's terrible. It can kill you. They come right out and tell you. You know, it can cause heart attacks, and a lot of people do have heart attacks when they're on this medication or they start taking it. Um, tuberculosis, another one said, you know, it can cause you to have tuberculosis. Why anybody would ever take these drugs when, you know, I don't know if they're not reading the warnings or they are reading it and they're just so brainwashed, but I think most people don't even pay attention. They don't even read these black box warnings or the warnings you can find online or in books or magazines or whatever. And they're not getting informed, your informed consent when they prescribe you these things at the doctors. They're not warning you about all these terrible, toxic things that the drugs do to you, which they refer to as side effects or adverse reactions. It's really just poisons and toxins in the drugs that are causing these things. And they, they can easily cause your death. That's why I talk about the things I do on my show, you know, and you'll hear Wendy Wilson and the Sulphur Hour people and Hesh Goldstein and Doc Mike, except for he's away on, you know, a break right now in Paraguay for a while. But we all talk about alternatives to, you know, these big farming drugs and over-the-counter drugs and things like that. So, you know, that's what we believe in. That's personally what I believe in. And I'm not going to take any kind of big pharma or over-the-counter drug. So 
And then the same thing can happen in animals that can kill an animal. You know, if you look up the drugs your animals are given, many times they can cause them to die. I did that once. They were prescribed Batril. I looked it up. It said that it can kill them. So, you know, it's the same thing. It's an allopathic drug. It's an over-the-counter or big pharma drug. A lot of the, you know, things given to animals to keep fleas off of them, keep them from getting fleas also are deadly. Most most everyone that I've seen, if not all of them, everything from Revolution to, I can't even remember all the names of them, but the ones that are the most popular at the vet's offices or online or at the pet stores, they kill animals left and right. Um, the kind of with the collars that's on the collar, I'm not talking about like certain ones that are that are okay, but most of the ones out there are not that kind, you know, they're the bad kind, and they're made from all these deadly chemicals and things like that, and if you look into them, I would type it into a search engine and type in death, type in seizure, type in blood, type in, you know, vomiting, all kind of things like that, and it comes to the pets, you know, and it will kill them, and it has many, many times, so I prefer sticking to the natural things. Um, for pets, too, as much as possible. And instead of giving them antibiotics, giving them, you know, things like vitamin C, that's like the best antibiotic there is. It's also antiviral. So that's why I prefer any time I can to give them that versus some big form of antibiotic that can kill them. So, you know, that's the way I look at it. Um, but even... Um, a lot of different things for heartworm, you know, can can kill an animal or cause all kind of problems. So, you know, things that you think are safe that the vets out there promoting and selling to you and recommending to you, they're not telling you, you know, you're not getting the truth about these things. Um, and there are alternatives like diatomaceous earth, you know, for fleas and getting rid of fleas, you know, outside and in the house, you know, or even, you know, applying it to the animals. The thing is, with that, you have to be careful because it is a dust, and you would always want to use the organic kind, the food-grade kind, because diatomaceous earth is sold in the gardening section and pesticide section of a lot of stores you know, like Lowe's, Home Depot, and gardening stores and co-ops and places like that or online. And that kind is not usually, except for if it says food grade and organic on the label or on the package or whatever, um, you know, it's not going to be good to use because it's it's the wrong kind. Um, but it's been mixed into animals' food, like livestock and can bins, uh, silos and grain bins and things like that because it keeps bugs out of the food and away from the animals. Another thing people use to keep flies away, you know, from horses and animals is apple cider vinegar mixed with water. So a lot of people use that. You know, there's all kind of different things that can be used. Um, Brewer's yeast can be added into their food. Um, It's another thing that can help with fleas. And a lot of people give garlic to their animals or put garlic powder in their animals' food to keep the fleas at bay. Then there's different things that can be used on collars, you know, that won't hurt them. Um, 
like Wendy Wilson cells, for example, you know, um, versus the, the the chemicals that are deadly. And we actually, you know, years back got some um, of those flea uh, collars for our cats, and we put them on, like, three of them. And in a short, they were in another room, and I think I went and checked on them after about, I don't know, a few minutes. They were having a bad reaction, you know, and it could have killed them had we left them on them because they were salivating and it could have caused seizures. It could have caused uh, hemorrhaging, blood, you know, loss and all kinds of things. It could have killed them. So that's something you don't want to mess around with. And so Advantage is the name of one of them I've looked into. It's really bad that the vet cell and the... um, you know, pet store sell, or you can get it online a lot of times. Um, that one, Revolution's another one that's bad. And Sargent's, there's a lot of products out there by different companies. Um, sometimes they have some good products, but most of them are bad. So if I were you, you know, and you really love your animals and you care about them, you don't want these bad things to happen to them, I wouldn't just willy-nilly give them these things or use them because the vets tell you it's okay or whatever. You know, or it's the most popular thing, or you don't want fleas, I would look into it because when I did, it was extremely sickening to see all the animals that die and that these things are still out there on the market and pushed by the vets and sold in the stores, and, you know, the FDA does nothing about it, as usual. So, you know, for your own good and for theirs, look into it, I would. So good search terms would be, you know, Flea death, I think, um, flea, um, or maybe the name of it, whatever it is, advantage, you know, you could type in, and then death, or seizure, or blood, bleeding, you know, things like this, because um, revolutions, another one, there's a lot of stuff. That's just a warning that I thought of when I was reading this. Okay, so back to the book, The Miracle of Garlic and Vinegar by James Edmund O'Brien. So, for blood pressure, modern research bears out the folklore, a diet high in protein because most of our protein comes from meat. It's generally also high in fat and low in carbohydrates. It's a major contributor to elevated blood pressure. Every major health organization in the country agrees with that assessment, recommending a low-fat, high-fiber diet. Carbohydrates are the best sources of fiber to combat the condition. And I would say, you know, the good kind of carbs would be the healthy vegetables, especially raw ones, especially the juice of them would be best, you know, depending because you could have certain conditions like hypothyroidism and you wouldn't want to eat raw broccoli or raw cauliflower or other things in that family that could be bad for somebody with hypothyroidism. Um, Peanuts is another one that's not good for people with hypothyroidism. So, you know, keep that in mind. But, you know, versus the starchy kind of um, vegetables, like, I mean, there's a lot of them. Those would be the ones not good, um, according to Dr. D.C. Walker, who was a health expert and you know, believed in the power of juicing to save lives and to keep oneself healthy. And so, you know, the book says that 
low-fat, high-fiber diet, carbs being the best source of fiber, um, to combat, um, you know, high pressure. And this step will also prevent the likelihood of heart attacks and strokes that result from hypertension. A high-protein, high-fat diet turns the blood alkaline, which thickens it. That's one of the primary contributing factors to high blood pressure. Apple cider vinegar converts the blood acidity and thins it. That's why I tell you it's a blood thinner. And it lowers the blood pressure and makes circulation less of a strain. Cayenne is another one that does that. Um, Garlic, I believe, that's another one. It's a blood thinner too. Um, So a lot of people take cayenne. It's not good, though, to mix pharma drugs, including blood thinners, with the all-natural type things. So, you know, you don't want to mix the two. And so here is Dr. D.C. Jarvis's plan to lower high blood pressure. One, increase the daily intake of acid in organic form, either of apple cider vinegar, organic apples, organic grapes, organic cranberries, or the juices of these in the organic form. And the apple cider vinegar would be in the organic raw form. And number two, change to a more balanced diet. Um, It says here, ask the American Heart Association, the American Cancer Society, which I disagree with because they're chill organizations that don't really help people, in my opinion anyway. Um, Or a local dietitian for guidelines to a heart-healthy diet that's low in fat and high in fiber. And there are good fats like coconut oil. Yes, it's saturated fat. But if you read and research about it in the right places and the right books, you'll learn the truth. It's very healing, you know, fat, kind of fat. And it's it's good, you know, to heal so many conditions and to keep one's health, oneself healthy. So the doctors, the allopaths, the nutritionists out there, a lot of them demonize it and tell you it's the worst kind of fat you can have. You know, it's the coconut oil. And I'm talking like raw, cold, pressed, um, you know, extra virgin or virgin, preferably extra virgin coconut oil in a glass container. But that's just an example of a good kind of fat, you know. Um, so that's what I use mostly. And another good kind of fat is avocado. It's another kind of fat that's good, I believe, from everything I've read. So they're saying here, you know, a diet low in fat and high in fiber is the best, and it will automatically give you an advantage in the war on high blood pressure. Um, Change from wheat products, they say, breads, muffins, cereals, which I agree, that's a bad thing, to corn, oats, rye, or rice. Well, corn, nowadays, most of it, unless you're getting organic corn, which is rare, is going to be genetically modified. Um, I know that they're full of fluoride, um, that's not a thing, I don't think, you know, I would probably try to get the organic kind, but even then, I think it could be full of fluoride. Um, I don't know so much about the rye or the rice, except for rice, unless it's organic, um, probably it's going to contain arsenic, so I'm not going to recommend that either, um, you know, because I researched and found that most of the rice is genetically modified, and like I say, unless it's organic, it's probably going to contain arsenic. So, um, Anyway, the book goes on to say, 
They will assist the shift from alkalinity to acidity within you and reduce strain on your kidneys. Kidney damage and even failure is an often complication of high blood pressure. And if I were you and I did have problems, or if it were, were me, and I do have one kidney, by the way, pretty much, because uh, when I was born, um, one of my kidneys was not, you know, it's kind of, I don't know how to say it, dried up or something. So I only really have one good functioning kidney, from what I was told, from that anyway. So, um, you know, it's a good thing to know about kidneys. And I just recently found out that a lot of people that were on dialysis or, you know, about to have to get dialysis, they may be helped from baking soda. So if I were you, I would look into that, you know. Something good to know, even if you don't have kidney problems or you're not one of those people, it could happen in the future. So to know what good remedies and and things for healing are for different, you know, maladies would be a good thing to know. Um, and number four, and you might want to look at Dr. Mark Circus, S-I-R-C-U-S, in regards to that baking soda for the kidneys. Okay, and then give up salt and salty food. This will reverse the blood tendency to retain so much fluid, a prime cause of hypertension. And I would say, you know, use the right kind of salt if you're going to use salt. You know, like the good uh, sea salt you hear Wendy has, um, or maybe some other kinds of salt, but don't use the bad kind. You know, the regular kind out there on the market, sodium chloride. And apple cider vinegar gargle. It brings marked relief to sore throats. Use one teaspoonful to a glass of water and gargle with a mouthful of the solution every hour. Then swallow the solution so it reaches the lower parts of the throat. You can't touch by gargling. Repeat with a second mouthful. As pain lessens, increase intervals between gargling to every two hours. And the gargling kills strep germs. Much to my surprise, Dr. Jarvis says, I learned that this treatment could cure a streptococcus sore throat like strep throat in 24 hours. As a rule, the pain becomes free of symptoms even before the Vermont State Laboratory confirmed that the culture showed the presence of streptococci. So that's a wonderful thing. It basically gets rid of strep throat by gargling with the apple cider vinegar in water and dots a mouthful of the solution, one teaspoonful of the vinegar to a glass of water, gargle with it every hour, and then swallow it, and then repeat it with a second mouthful, and then when the pain lessens, increase the time in between gargling to every two hours, and that will kill the strep germs. As a kid, I had strep throat and tonsillitis a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. I've read bad things about what that can do to somebody. Plus, I got tons of the bad big pharma antibiotics. Plus, I had the kidney problems and other problems. So I had to take this huge bottle of this. Actually, it was really good tasting, but um, it was very sweet. But it was antibiotics that I had to take every day. And uh, used to have to soak in the tub for hours and all kind of things because I was in a lot of pain. Anyway, I'm sure that wasn't good for me. So I'm glad Nothing bad happened that bad from all that, and I know better what to do now better. And it looks like it's about time to end my show for the night, so thank you for listening and for praying for us and our animals and my mother, Frank, and I, and I keep you in my prayers. 
And coming up next is the owner of ABR, Frank Stephan, with the Frank Report for two hours live. So stick around for that. Don't go anywhere. God bless you all, and have a wonderful night.